Report. Everything's status quo, sir. Very well. If um, anyone needs me, I'll be in my ready room. running star trek the next generation rewatch podcast every week of the year into the new year we're bringing you episodes of star trek next generation and all the behind the scenes stories that made them happen my name is mitchell mills chief consultant of services of paramount with me is my life partner brandon hobbs brandon how are we doing today doing uh well i think we've both been better mitch we have both been better um i can say that we've both been worse but we have both mm-hmm. been better as well. We have both been better. New Year's was a difficult time. Mm. I um, we're not we're not huge drinkers, Mitch. I would say, but no, I'm only five eight. When mm-hmm, when we do, and you know that's that's what makes it even worse. Yeah. When 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 we do drink, we often take it to extremes, and uh, well, that you know that's that's why we're doing the podcast today. Yes. As opposed to yesterday. Um, yeah, I remember I rolled over in bed and I said, Brandon, honey, I can't, I can't, I can't record this today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, too many things going on. Too many cooks. I still don't know what happened to the Asian prostitutes. They'll turn up somewhere. Eventually. (laughs) I sure hope so. Or maybe I hope not. So, but did you have a happy new year? Yes, yeah, I would say uh, our new year was fairly happy. Good. (laughs) It was a a joyous occasion that uh, was commemorated with with drinking, as mentioned. Mm Mm-hmm. I, and, uh, yeah, lots of lots of mahjong, lots of mahjong. Um, of which I fared a little better in than you. A, a little is right. A little is right. Oh, I mean, it, I'm being um, modest. I he did a lot better. Games. He wins two games. And how many games one. did you win? Uh, at least one. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know about that. Maybe, I took a screenshot of it. Maybe you won a hand. I want a game. All right, all right. You know it. All right. Well, uh, my Zhang is not your Zhang. But it is my boom. It is my boom. My Zhang is our my boom. Mm-hmm. Recently, another my boom of mine. Uh, I've been watching old MasterChef episodes. Yeah. What do you mean, yeah? I thought you just always did that. Well, I, I wax and I wane, like the moon. Oh. What about Master Chef Kids? Um, eh. yeah, that's whatever. Alexander. I here's the thing on Master Chef they replaced the fat guy and the bald guy, and um, I liked both of those guys. Uh huh. And now it's just you know the angry guy. Uh, some short guy and a woman. 
The Mexican guy? Mexican guy? Isn't there a Mexican guy? I don't think there's a Mexican guy. I know there's a... He's he's on these panels all the time in these Food Network shows. He's like this Mexican dude. Are you thinking of the, the dog whisperer? <laughs> no, I'm definitely not. <laughs> Caesar Milan? Is the woman the one who's like on every one of these panel shows? Like she's I... on Chopped? I don't think so. It's not Rachel Ray. No, it's not. Definitely not Rachel Ray. I don't know any other female chefs. Chef S's? What do you, what do you call them? Chef S. <laughs> I'm a Chef S. <laughs> I, uh, I know there's been a, a big push for gender neutrality recently. It's why we have um, Flight Attendant. And uh, I will never call a woman an actor. Yeah? I mean, just because they can't act. Now, would you call her a bad actor if she was acting um, disingenuously? I I would call her a bad actor if she was maybe a terrorist. That's the thing. (laughs) Would you call them bad actresses? (laughs) Well, I think you must. Um, You know, you're talking about people having conversations online in bad faith and like, oh, you know, all these bad actresses, bad actors. Like uh, Angela Merkel is a bad actress, right? Right, but right? she's also a bad actor, in so far as um, if she were to appear in film. But she'd still be a bad actress then. Well, that's that's where we're diverging here, right? In a yellow wood. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's kind of out there the the language these days. And, you, you, you know, we need to make sure we're saying the right thing. Right, right. Lest we be canceled. And we on the readier room are well above that. You know, we, we, we play so far above the rim. Uh, I don't think we have anything to worry about. Yeah, we always have the moral high ground. <laughs> Apparently it's Christina Tosi. On MasterChef? Yeah, I think. Okay. Does she look kind That's of like her. a Zoomer? She has blonde hair, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's her. Okay. Yeah, she looks like a Zoomer that's aged like 50 years, but hasn't like visibly like had any changes like in her body at all. Just mm. like in their face. Just more cracks than bags. Mm-hmm. Cracks and bags. Cracks and bags. Cracks and bags. Cracks and bags. That's the name of this episode. Of The Ready Room? Or Star Trek? Yeah. Ah. The, the secret name. We have we have secret names for each episode. Yeah, if you download the file at home, you'll see the the secret name inside of the file. Like how uh, Justice is the bad one. Right. Exactly. Right. It was an amazingly um, prescient naming for us to <laughs> to nail that right on the right at the start. There's something wrong with my left arm, Mitch. Are you having a stroke or a heart attack? No, I can't like I can't easily raise it above my head. All right. Well, if you have a question, you're you're kind of out of luck. No, I just wanted to say that. Uh, I looked it up on on IMDb. Um, uh-huh. What's what's it called? That's not IMDb. Star Trek? No, the the the, the symptom. Of you know, what? You look up things on the internet. Oh, Munchausen's? No. No. I looked up what. Never mind. WebMD. Never mind. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Just never mind. Um, 
Wait, hold on. The hypochondriac? Hypochondriac? Uh-huh. Is that it? No, let's just let's just let's just move on. <laughs> Some, something about this joke did not did not hit with me. Anyway, um I guess most important of all, we have our weekly question of the week, as one might say. And uh, this week's question comes from Chris in Fairfield, Connecticut, who asks, Hello, Admirals. Have you seen the new hashtag MeToo stuff? It really made me think about TNG. Do you think anyone Topical. from the cast will be MeTooed? And uh, who do you think is most likely? Inter- eternally readier, Chris. Oh, Oh, Chris, this is a bit of a nostalgic question for me. I think you uh, remind me a lot of my little brother when him and I were kids. I would, anytime I'd go to play with my friends or go out or get my bike to do anything, you know, he'd be tagging along behind me shouting like, me too, me too, me too. Um, Pretty annoying. Uh, You know, it was annoying when I was a kid. It's not, it hasn't aged any better as an adult. Um, A lot of people have this tendency to follow celebrities to uh, leech off of celebrities and they, they see celebrities and they say, Oh, me too. Me too. I want, I want in on this. Um, let me in. Oh, I watch you all the time. You know, you're my friend. Me too. And mm-hmm. uh, don't, don't leech off of celebrities like that. And you mentioned TNG, please don't go stalking our TNG alumni. Just, you know, have some self-awareness about all this. Send an apology. It'll be okay. Within within the next week. Within the next week, yes. Um, so Otherwise, I'm afraid we're going to have to cancel your, your Patreon. Yeah, we're going to excommunicate you from the readier room. Mm-hmm. Much like um, Picard did in that episode, where he said, You are not allowed in my ready room. Um, did just, you say that? Yeah, you, you remember the one. Um, just like the time he said that, you are... It was, it was the one where someone was auditing the ship? Yes, exactly. Yes. Okay, yeah. so just just like just like that. Yes. And just like auditors are um you know, unwanted presences, so too bad will actors. you be. They're bad actors. Even the women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so too are you, Chris in Fairfield, Connecticut. How about instead of me too, you say you too. Just mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Hey. You too. You too. Sport? Champ? (laughs) Everyone likes a you too. Nobody likes a me too. A mi amore. A me too. All right. Uh (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, (laughs) I don't really know how to land this one. Uh, All right, Chris, thank you for writing in with your question of the week. If you're like Chris and you want us to answer your question on the week of the week on the weekly show of the Ready Room, send us an email at theReadyRoom at gmail.com or tweet at us at the Ready Room. Those are all with T and two capital R's. And uh, we will read it. All right. Star Trek. Okay. Star Trek. The Next Generation Rewatch Podcast. Ours is the only podcast bringing you episodes mm-hmm. of Star Trek Next Re- Generation every week. And, uh... Oh, I already, I already did that. Hold on. <laughs> Where are we? Uh, I believe we were just... Did we do the question about... of the week? 
We did the question of the week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, we were just going to talk about the survivors. Right. Which is the season three, episode three, four, three? episode three. Yeah, because it was yeah. um, the first one, then Ensigns of Command, and then the survivors. Yes. Yes. <laughs> which um... this is one of the episodes of TNG that I have the earliest memory of. Um, unprovoked by trudging through them for the sake of the show, um, I distinctly remember this episode. Mm -hmm. um, so so you liked it? Um, well enough. Well enough. It, it had a... It had, onto the show, it had a unique premise. It had some dodgy performances, um, mostly from the main cast. And, you know, it was just a nice little sci-fi story. Yeah, I mean, overall, it was pretty good. Uh, there were certain parts that felt a little bit repetitive. Uh, I think, you know, like the they, they get into a fight with the ship, what, three times? And they beam down to the planet three times. and Yeah. It, it all kind of ends in nothing until finally something has to end. Well, you see... Because at the end of the episode just like the waltz inside of the episode the episode structure is in threes it's it's much like a waltz huh yes it's much like a waltz wow. um truly genius we we have lots of troy screaming <laughs> oh god doing a very convincing performance and not it's not at all grating it's not sexy either no Although she does have her new uniform this episode. Right. We we, this, we first see Blue Troy in this episode. Right. Which, no, she's not a different character. It's still the same Troy. Right. It's not, not like Klingon Guile. Not, not like Klingon Guile. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, I, if, if, judging by these past few episodes, we're entering a period of time where there's just a bunch of decent middling episodes where... There's not a whole lot to say about the episode itself, yes. I, I feel like. I I uh, get the impression that what's heralded as the golden age of TNG is mostly just, like you said, middling episodes. Just decent television. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, it's watchable. Right. Yeah, it's, it's not doing anything groundbreaking. There's still a lot of weird things that should have been ironed out. Um, I don't know why we, we, we didn't get... Uh, Michael Dorn, uh, like speech lessons, <laughs> speech therapy, because he continues to say weapon throughout this episode, uh, and and we already knew about it. Now, do you think? Do you think this might be a Klingon quirk? A it could quirk be. on a cl Klingon quirk. <laughs> now, Clark was a Ferengi. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> what about a Klingon quirk? Much like Klingon Guile. Oh my God! Right. Yes. They're all alternate universe Klingon versions of, of characters. Now, here's the... I watched an episode of Deep Space Nine where O'Brien is surgically made up as a Klingon. They See, love doing that. They do. They do love doing that. How, how does he look? Terrible. <laughs> Somehow the Klingonness only served to highlight the, um, the very, very unappealing qualities of Colm Meany. It's him, Cisco, uh, 
the shapeshifter guy, <laughs> and Worf. I actually think he looks pretty good. Oh, uh, yeah? No, yeah. He looks ridiculous, but Klingon should look ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, insofar as a Klingon, he he looks like a Klingon. It's not that the, the makeup is bad, but... Oh, okay. But it's just a very, very unappealing visage. I suppose so. Like, I look, can't argue with that. Look at Cisco in the same episode. He's still, like, that actor. Yeah, but he's black. James Avery is kind of attractive, and uh, he's... The Klingon Cisco has also kind of got that going. I feel like it's, it's got to be uh, it's got to be more difficult to get a, a white guy to look like a Klingon. It's true. That's true. Um, and it's really difficult for them to succeed at Klingon basketball. Mm-hmm. Mm. Did you know that despite being 12% of the population? Klingons. Uh, oh, wait. No, never mind. This is for the other podcast. Sorry. Oh, God. Oh, that was close. We got to get our notes rearranged here. Yeah, what is our producer doing? Come on, making us to give him a look like to. jokes. Don't worry. I mean, right. we'll be heavily editing this. Editing evilying. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's exactly how I would have said it. Yes, yes, yes. So uh... the premise of this episode, I think, is pretty cool. Uh, here's this ravaged planet. There's just this one carved out piece of land that's just a very mm-hmm. innocuous house uh, I yeah think, and I think that's intriguing in terms of you know uh, the production <laughs> of it you know we got the shoot on location which was nice yeah it's always fun to go out out of the studio or to wherever we used to shoot on that one university campus which um mm-hmm. some of the earlier episodes were on for this one we had to go i think it was death valley it was the only place we could find where there was a house surrounded by that much desolate wasteland but right. uh, it was a nice little field trip. It was. It was. It was relaxing. Weather was nice. Um, we we had a. I, I liked the. I liked the set of the inside of the house. Thought that was done very well. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Very. I would say contemporary, but not unto the show, but rather contemporary <laughs> unto when the episode was made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. V- um, vaguely vaporwave. That, vaguely, yes. That house. It's a it's nice house. I'm going to take a screenshot of it, put a filter over it, and upload my YouTube vaporwave playlist. J- just superimpose a, a bust from, uh, right. from Greece. Maybe, maybe an anime girl sitting on the couch. Yeah. Eating something. Everything's in a, in a loop. Everything's transgendered for some reason. For some reason. <laughs> All right, so yeah, so we we open this episode right, and they're they're responding to a um uh, uh what a distress call, right? Um, I guess. Yeah, and my my initial question here is: Is it supposed to be an old distress call? Because did these aliens just wipe the planet and then leave that quickly? Like did, what? What well, I'm saying clearly, is, did all of this happen over the course of like a couple days. It could, um, yeah, because clearly, clearly, the people there now are not sending out a distress call. And with that in mind, it would have to have been from the attack. But how long do those calls linger? Right, because it. I I don't know. I don't know if this is just my bias, but it seems to me like these 
that um, uh, Kevin has been down on the planet for quite some time after all this happened. I mean, he has his wits about him and everything, so... You know, you know Wait, what I mean? Wait, he wasn't shown possessing any wits in that episode. No, but they are about him. Oh, they're, okay. You can't see them, but they're there. They're concerning him. Yes. No, not concerning him, but they're they're around. Okay. 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 Uh. <coughs> but the yeah. So the, that was my that was my question. Well, I don't know. I don't have a, a satisfying answer for you. Um. About anything really, but it's. <laughs> I'm really scratching my head now because I'm like, do I like this premise? Do I like this idea? Once we're at the onset of it, it's like, well, it's already kind of manufactured. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, there's something there. The problem is just like the 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 dressing here is a little bit uh, not really thought out. Yeah, I it's, think it's somewhat arbitrary. Yeah, to allow for this episode to happen. Yeah, it is arbitrary. I mean, like just as. It it just it doesn't make sense to me that a group of aliens would within like a couple of hours destroy this planet and then just fuck off. But well, who knows? As elucidated on later on in the episode, those aliens were wiped out completely. So we can't even ask them. Right, right. It's impossible to interview anyone after the fact. Right. Which is you know really convenient though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you set up you set up a race of warlike aliens with extremely advanced technology and then kill them without us ever having seen them. Yeah, that I hope that race never shows up in the apocrypha because that would be uh It uh to my knowledge it doesn't. Okay. What was the name of them? Um oh, I don't remember. The Balorans? <laughs> uh The, I no, you don't. The, the Exxon the Valdez, the Hasdak. <laughs> that's that's got big five seconds of thought energy to it. Yeah, the Hasdak. I killed the Hasdak. Not just the men, <laughs> but the women and the children. But yeah, so they get this distress signal, and they, they you know they they also uh, uh, seem to be able to pinpoint the location of. Two single people on this planet. Um, <laughs> the only people. Well, they're not single. They're married. Yes, they're married. Two married people on this planet. And, uh, which I found, I, I don't know. I don't know if they've ever done that before. I'm, I'm surprised that, um, what's, what's her face? Yasharn? Um, shows up on their scanning. R Rishan. Yeah, Rishan. I was going to say that too. Yeah. And it's really leaning hard on this guy being a god for that to happen. Yeah. Well, he basically is. I guess. He did kill an entire um, uh, species. Yeah. So I, I... And then this starts to really beg the question of if, if he can create a human being that is a facsimile of one who died and she shows up on the scanner as a human being. Is there something wrong with that? Right. It's not... The Enterprise never mandates that he uh, disposes of that illusion. Oh, yeah, no. It's just like the, the episode kind of implies that that is the correct thing to do is to not do that. 
Yeah. She's she's not a mirage. She's a human being. It's basically just like picking up where you left off. Right. And really, at that point, why why not remake the entire colony? That's also true, which that's a great question that we never never grapple with. If he um, if he, he feels so guilty, why not bring back the Husnock? He could have <laughs> He could have remade the entire planet and none of this would have happened. Once again, writing stories with godlike entities is not easy. We I think we hate the godlike entities. Yeah, I'm it's and the narrative isn't so compelling that I'm just gonna you know, oh don't think about it, it's you know, he's gotta accept right. it. Cause right. it what it's working in service of isn't isn't worth that. Yeah, for sure. So now it's like we have to ask ourselves, is there a limit to this guy's power? But he he can kill off an entire race of like billions of people, but he can only resurrect one person. He's also incredibly um, principled, yet hmm. extremely emotional as to commit <laughs> a galactic-wide genocide. Um, After having lived for, what, millions and millions of years? Yes, yes. And uh, he, but he's so emotional and illogical as to a, um, you know, get that angry, but b, be satisfied by something he knows is not the real thing, not the genuine article for the most part. Right. But he, right. but he is satisfied with that because it placates his emotion. But he's still principled enough to never uh, commit violence or fight or do anything. Right. Right. So, you know, what is it? This guy is not the most consistently written. No, he certainly isn't, um, and I don't even—I don't even know if I would say that I can relate to his struggle at all. He's just. Well, have you ever? Just... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. I can certainly relate to his desire to commit genocide, just not with right, his ability sure. to do it. Right. And speaking of which, uh-huh. uh huh, we actually have a very compelling line from Crusher right after right after the. The, the bridge scene where she, where she says uh, if they're the only survivors of a nuclear holocaust they can't be in very good shape mm-hmm. and you know these these are these are remnants of when this uh, this this episode was supposed to have kind of parallels to well you know you, you know. Um, we were we were originally going to have her say nuclear Shoah mm. but we thought that might be a little bit too on the nose yeah I, that line went through a few rewrites um yeah I remember one of them was a nuclear night of broken glass and right right it was, it was yes. a whole thing right yeah and so um we we decided to just stick with the simpler Holocaust when it turned out we were taking it in a different direction uh, really the the genocide kind of becomes a footnote in this right. episode now that really steps on the toes of Picard's line later on in the episode which also uh uses the the term Holocaust. Right, right. Now, he, he asked why their house survived the Holocaust. Right, here's the thing. If you were to replicate the Holocaust on the holodeck, would it be a holo-holocaust? Yeah, I guess it would be. Unless, unless Hitler is able to escape uh, the holodeck and became real. The data goes on, he's programming the thing. It's like, make me a Hitler that's worthy of being my opponent. <laughs> 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 the, the the whole idea of, of data creating like just the most awful uh historical characters and having them come to life is hilarious 
All right, now how about this? Hitler breaks out of the holodeck through whatever means, and the episode is him um, reacting with such vitriol to the diversity on the bridge. Yes, yes. He and, looks and at then, Worf's like, like, I don't know what you are, but you look like a, like a, like a, well, I'm not going to say it, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah it, it can be, it can be almost like a bottle episode, sort of. Yes. Where they just spend the entire time on the Enterprise trying to convince Hitler that diversity is good. Hitler, diversity is our strength. <laughs> diversity is our strength. <laughs> oh my God. This is like, this is too good. This is too good for Star Trek. Do you think there's already um, an expanded universe novel covering this? Let's look it up. Does Hitler appear in Star Trek? Uh, Adolf Hitler was an uncredited actor who appeared as himself in two Star Trek series. Wait, his real name? The actor was Adolf Hitler. No, they used they used archive footage of, of Hitler in tar- in Star Trek. Oh, describing that as an uncredited actor is a stroke of comedic genius. <laughs> to be fair, they put scare quotes around it, about, around actor and as himself. Oh, I thought you were gonna say around uncredited. Now, putting scare quotes around at the term actor is what I would do when using it to describe a woman. You know, Gates McFadden yes, is yes. an actor. <laughs> as, as we'd already discussed. Here's, okay, here's something nice. In Gene Roddenberry's original story for the episode The Savage Curtain, Hitler was among the historical people recreated by the Excalbians to fight as the evil, quote, evil team opposing Kirk. So, there's a world where Kirk fought Hitler? Apparently. Now, who who are they to say who's evil and who's not? Well, that's 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 why they put quotes around it. There's a lot of editorializing going on in memory alpha. <laughs> Sorry, I'm there's just so a, excited. There, there, there's an episode of Enterprise where they take footage of Hitler and like Photoshop Photoshop him in front of the Statue of Liberty. Like, oh, in this history, Hitler won. Or something? Yeah, something like that. Love it. Now, that's that's the Scott Bakula show, right? Mm-hmm. Now, have we talked about... The, the Count Dracula show. I was going to say, we talked about the possibility of having a Scott Dracula. <laughs> Is Scott Bakula a Dracula? He's, certain, he's certainly the most likely of the captains to be a Dracula. <laughs> Bakula the Dracula. Him and Cisco. What's that, what's that serial called? Um, Count Chocula. Oh, that doesn't work, does it? No, no. <laughs> that's that's a whole Bacula, Chocula, Dracula. They're they're all. What about three Boo- sides of the same coin? Booberry. What about Booberry? Well, I mean, can you do anything with that? That's a cereal. That's part. That's yeah. part of the triumvirate of Count Chocula, Booberry, and Frankenberry. Are they both berries? Yeah, I guess. Are they? Is there nothing like booze, goose? Count Chocula, four Monster Mash cereal. Monster Mash, Booberry, Frankenberry. Yeah, Frankenberry. Now, I, I remember Frankenberry because he's like a pink Frankenstein. Yeah. Now, Frankenstein actually being the name of the monster. I'm sorry, the doctor, not the monster. Really calls all this into question. 
Like, is there a Frankenberry that created the Frankenberry monster? Right. Right. Frankenberry's monster. Right. Uh, that's, 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 no, see, that's, that's what, that's, the mascot is Frankenberry's monster, and, and the, the cereal itself is just called Frankenberry. Okay. Now, was the man who created the recipe, um, Mary Shelley's Frankenberry? <laughs> so what monster mash is just all of all three of them like thrown together that doesn't really sound good chocolate and two types of berry i don't know if i'm right about that now what they should have is like a monster marshmallow right like a marshmallow actually i think cereal. that's what it is oh it's marshmallow cereal <laughs> that's just what i want to eat in the morning a bunch of fucking marshmallows doused in milk Artificially berry-flavored frosted cereal with monster marshmallows. Now get this. I believe they have the technology that if you were to pour milk into Count Chocula, the milk becomes chocolate milk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. It does. It's exciting. It is. It really, uh, you kind of get two-for-one there. Yeah. We love value on the Readier Room. And uh, the two-for-one uh, chocolate milk, ch Count Chocula, Bacula um, cereal is, is quite the value. I kind of want Count Chocula now. Really? Yeah. Eh. I talked it up, but nah. I'm not a cereal I've never, guy. I've, I've never actually had it. Here's the thing. I don't like milk. And if I don't like milk, I'm not going to like cereal. Well, use oat milk. It's... It, we've been over this. Have we? Yes. I'm not comfortable it... with non-mammal sources of milk. Have you, you've never milked an oat before? No, but I can, can tune a fish. Feel it. Oh. Well, that's <laughs> impressive. Now, I, I've looked into this process with almonds, and almonds, they kind of mash them into a powder and then liquidize it. Cause it's, they... it's more like, I think it's more like draining water through almonds. I buy this. I don't know, I don't know how much of the actual almond gets it put into, and that's, that's where the whole uh, you know, there's there's actually not that many almonds in almond milk, because I I don't think much of the almond actually makes it into the milk. It's just water filtered through almonds. Now, if I was a maker, like I manufactured almond milk, I'd have a very hard time not eating the almonds throughout the day. Like as as they as they get like mushy and liquidized. Well, no, it's I imagine somewhere in the factory there's just a large, pallet full of almonds. Right. Well, I'm sure you can sneak a few. Right. You think, you're not going to eat that many almonds that's going to interfere yeah, with you. You just grab a handful, you know, eat, munch on them while you're supervising the machines. Eventually you get sick of almonds, though. Like, really quick. I don't know. Back in my youth, I've worked at places that made food, and I ate that food for my entire tenure. Yeah, but like, you were there for ten years? Yeah. Hey, look, you know how hard it is to break into Hollywood. <laughs> But, uh, no, nuts are really rich, that's the thing. So, if, if you what, eat the what, same nut over do, and over again, do, it's do, just a little bit. Do they invest in yeah, NFTs? Yes, there it is. <laughs> he couldn't help himself. Come on, after your 10-year after your joke, get out of here. <laughs> Pot calling the kettle black. We're not going to talk about NFTs on this podcast, Mitch. We're already. We've talked about our readier line of NFTs already. Have we? Yes. 
Well, we'll talk about it when they're actually released. When they're readier? When they're readier. Oh, baby. All right, so let's let's get back to Star Trek. They um they beam down to the planet, right? Yes. And um and Worf, this is this is Worf, his his first instance of saying there is a weapon because <laughs> he can somehow detect a non-active weapon inside the house, which is He's also detecting a lot of things. He detects the weapon, even though it later goes on to be said that it is it is a non-functional weapon. Yes, yes. So I don't know. Um, if he just detects something in the vague shape of a gun, <laughs> right? Because it's not sending any kind of signal or anything, right? Um, we have uh, a, a very slapstick scene of Riker getting strung up. Yes, by uh, a, cr- a crude hunting trap. Basically. You would think that it would be Worf to get strung up, or maybe Jordy, but y- yeah, 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 you would. Um, and that's that's kind of. That's kind of the reason that um, that Frakes didn't want to do the the stunt himself. Um, first of all, he was always the kind of the kind of person who um, he liked to leave the uh, the physical acting more to the what he called the little guys. Um, and I'm not sure if he was talking about little people, like Midge, right? Know? Yeah, um, Gimli. But in any, in any case, not not himself. Um, but yeah, yeah, on top of that, he felt this scene made Riker look too stupid. Um, he tried to get a compromise going where he would do the scene himself. Because when, you know, obviously, for those who don't know, when an actor doesn't do the scene themselves, we have a stunt double, the editing that needs to be done is like ten times as much, right? right? To make it look like there's continuity. Has to be shot in Um, a certain way, too, that you don't see their face. Right. So he said that he would do the scene, um, if, if we inserted an unscripted scene of Riker and Rashawn having sex. Um, but due to scheduling conflicts, that just never panned out, unfortunately. Um, so so we, we did that initial that initial uh, foot getting caught, tossed up in the air with, um, with Dan, I think it was. Mm. Yeah, Dan Coco. Mm-hmm. Um, not unrelated to Count Chocula, I suppose. Um, <laughs> it all comes back around, doesn't it? Yeah. But once Frakes, like, so the scene of him getting hoisted up was the stunt double, and then Frakes had to hang there, at least for a little bit, to get the shots of, right. of his face. And Les insisted, the director Les insisted on doing, like, many, many takes of that. Um, I remember one time we broke for lunch, Frakes wanted to get let down, we couldn't be, what was it? it the shot integrity would get ruined. So Frakes was up there for a while, I remember one of, one of us, who was it, was it Dan? Had to sit there with a cup of soup that Frakes drank through a straw. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> only about the ninth take after lunch did uh, it really start to occur to us that some mild pranking was going on. <laughs> yeah, just, just some mild pranking. Which I guess is what you get after causing a stink about not doing the stunt yourself. Right, right. You, you, you kind of reap what you sow. Uh, unfortunately, Frakes was not available for the rest of the day after we took him down. Right, right. Neither for reaping nor sowing. Now, after this, they everyone gets inside of the 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 survivors' ha- the titular survivors' house, and it looks just like a you know upper middle class eighties house. Yeah. They offer yeah. them tea. Yeah. There's going along with Klingon guile. There's now Gaul in the established <laughs> uh, universe. 
Are they are they uh, are they like like a like a Sonic and Shadow type thing? Well, I think it's 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 like a like a house thing. Like I am Worf, son of Gaul. Ah, uh, okay. Because am, Worf am... says, "I admire Gaul." <laughs> yeah, so it's it's definitely a person, right? And I guess when um the Kevin the the guy tries yeah. to ward off the away team with a non-functioning rifle phaser um, that's something gaul would have done which yes, is what... he's invoking gaul yes kind of um yeah i you know another character that we just never get to see and is referenced all the time and it's it's a little disappointing especially with all the klingon episodes that come up we never see gaul we never see guile i think that's you know? that's some intentional seeding for the expanded universe oh yeah i could but i've never checked to see if he's in any, any of the books i think in in darmok um, one of the things that the guy says is uh, Gaul and Guile uh, on the on the Klingon ship or whatever, whatever, something like that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, and um, Picard doesn't understand because he never met Gaul right. nor Guile. And you know, the audience wouldn't really understand either unless they'd been really paying attention up to that point. We reward our ensigns, our yeah. our yeah. loyal fans with tidbits. I think like we that. did a pretty good job with that, really, because. When when you're devoted to a series, you like to be able to say, like, oh, I know that, when, when someone offhandedly mentions a name. Right. Right. I know Gaul. Yeah. Now, um, do you know the name of Worf's actual Klingon father? No, I forgot. Moog. I am Worf, son of Moog. Moog. An ally of Gaul. <laughs> Maybe it's his uncle. Maybe. Gaul. Gaal. Spelled like this. Are you spelling Guile? Like. (laughs) (laughs) Guile. (laughs) Now, um. I'm really fascinated by Klingon culture. Their blood Mm -hmm. wine, their, uh. Their. What is the name of their weird curved sword? I don't know. Like the. Like the Doc Chuck? The duck chuck. The count chuck. <laughs> <laughs> the the batleth. The batleth. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fascinated by all this. And uh, I wonder if you can buy a batleth easily. I think those are um, heavily regulated. They are very dangerous. Right. With their weird shape that doesn't really look conducive to fighting. Here's one for $68. Is it real metal? Can it kill somebody? Um, yes, high quality stainless steel. Ooh, now does it come with lessons on how to use it? Maybe an instructional DVD. You could probably look that up on YouTube, no cap. I'm going to try that right now. Um, Bat Leth. This is a really good podcast episode. Or we just we, we spend the entire the entire hour googling things. All right, I just want you to know that there are several videos on bat left lessons made by an aging fat guy. Nice. And uh, exactly who who I would want. The ensigns can look this up on their own time, but I'm gonna enjoy this later in my private yeah, quarters. Yeah, actually, yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty excited to watch this. <laughs> if you you wanna you wanna give me that link. Yeah, yeah, let me uh let me send you the link on our podcast. 
Check everyone at home. Check the show notes. It'll be there. Yeah. All right. Thanks. No problem. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> All right. So anyway, yeah. Uh, interspersed with this is as as we mentioned before is um, Troy screaming. Yes. And this really got on my nerves. Um, it was not um, intriguing. It was it was annoying, like you said. Um, and it was horribly, horribly, horribly acted <laughs> at every fucking yeah. turn by by Marina Sirtis. Just and bad. nothing, nothing going on with like so. You think so? Data picks up the little music box, and then she starts hearing this stuff in her head. And none of this was actually connected. The music box wasn't connected to what she was hearing in her head. Right. And what she was hearing in her head wasn't connected to to Picard solving the mystery. Right. It, what, the reason it is what it is, is that, okay, this guy needs to block out Troy. What's he going to use to do it? He knows this song. However, the audience is not going to have any uh, context for that. So Data needs to pick up and open the music box. Now, the fact that it instantly cuts from the music box to Troy hearing it. (laughs) Yes, yes. The framing of it makes it sound like Data was the catalyst for this by picking up the music box. Right, which is not at all what happens. And, um, oh god, it's so frustrating to me. Because because this yeah. is at its core like there's there's a mystery to this episode, right? And that mystery and is more attractive than the solution. Exactly, and and the way they like it just it, it it disregards every rule of writing a mystery. Well, it's it's not even red herring so much as just terrible writing. Right. Right. There wasn't enough meat here to even have a red herring. Right. It's more of a, uh, a pale blue herring. Right, right. Not coincidentally, we see Blue Troy in this episode. Mm. Now, the whole Troy subplot itself was more of a subtle send-up to Gene. And like the... I I, I don't want to say it like this, but the long-lasting psychological trauma he inflicted on oh. the young starlets that worked on the show throughout okay. the years. Okay, okay. Yeah, I could see that. I guess I guess you would want to throw that in somewhere. Yeah, it's uh, it's an important thing, um, you know, lest Gene get you would But mm-hmm. it, people like that's why it was given to Marina. She didn't have the chops to act that part, but she had the um, the lived experience to relate to it. Sure, sure. Yeah, I sympathize. I just wish they put it in a different episode. Yeah, but I guess you know how many other episodes are there this season with psychic godlike entities. I just wish Gene never touched all those actresses. Well, let's let's not get too crazy. It's just a theory. Was was John a Gene? Was John theory. Anderson was <laughs> was John Anderson <laughs> supposed to be a stand-in for Gene? This this all-powerful, yes, psychic god. emotional god. Except I don't think Gene would care about genociding an entire species. No, no, he would. Uh, he would revel in it. Um, speaking of John, though, nice guy, right? Yeah. Um, for, we, for those who we are like John. listening, that he's 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 the guy who played Kevin. Um, very very, very nice man. Um, probably one of the better guest stars, really. One of the more normal ones. Um. His wife had passed away uh, about a year before he appeared in this role, right? Yeah. Um, which I, I think that really helped us get a lot from him in terms of his performance. Um, it, you know, 
like you said, when when you relate to something, I mean, as long as you're, as long as you have the acting chops, um, it, it really it takes it into a different level. Um, and the one thing I think we all really regret is that we we were not able to secure his dead wife for the role of Rashawn. And it's one of those things that really just makes you wonder what could have been. It's the one that got away. Yeah, it could have. It could have elevated these performances to such a such a level that the rest of the episode didn't even matter. Right. But alas, he was a he was a good actor though. I think he's a real actor. Yeah, yeah, he's a real actor. Yeah, he's he's like he's not just a guy who appeared in Star Trek a couple times. And we have a habit of entire IMDb page of getting these um, aging actors in their twilight years on TNG. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> after they've run out of things people want them to do right right i guess i'll be on your stupid sci-fi show right it's like this this guy doesn't even know what a computer is and he's talking about replicators right right yeah i know he was uh john john was a big tv actor hmm. lots of kind of like side roles i think he did have a few recurring roles though it was really hard it was really hard to be a big tv actor at the time back before anybody had a big screen yeah, yeah, you were always just kind of really tiny, and you had to squint across the room to see you. Exactly. I remember some actors would just move closer to the camera to make themselves appear larger in frame. Right, that was a um, a really good trick, I think. Yeah, and, it, it, you know, the audience would be thrown for a loop because of the perspectives. Like, oh, why is this guy so much bigger than the others? Why is he so large? Um, right. But it's kind of, it's like um, being in theater. People use bigger expressions to to reach the whole room, you know? And uh, mm-hmm. it's like, all right, this this is the principal character, so he's going to appear larger via perspective tricks. You know, that's how they made The Lord of the Rings. That is how they made The Lord of the Rings. Um, now, that was animation, but you're right. It was somewhat similar in how they drew the, the cells. Um, John was, uh, John was uh, MacGyver's grandfather. Ah, Mick Mick Giver. Yeah, yeah, Mick Matt Giver. Ah. now is MacGyver <laughs> related to Matt Luck? Big Matt Giver. Big Matt Giver. <laughs> oh baby, what do you like better, MacGyver or Nightboat? I've never watched Nightboat. I'm sorry, Nightboat is the fictitious one from The Simpsons. Um, Night Rider. <laughs> never watched Night Rider. <laughs> Nightboat. <laughs> Goodness. Uh, what happens next in this episode? They go there um, and they're they're asking wait, wait, them questions. Wait. There's there's a really so they they run into that ship right that like fake ship and yes. they 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 exchange a few bullets or whatever and it disappears. There's a scene where it's like it's cutting away from like the fourth act and there's a really inappropriate sting where Picard goes to his ready room and and Frakes just like kind of stands there like doing his face. But nothing. Yeah, like, it's it's a head. It's a head-on shot of Frakes. Yeah, yeah, and and nothing tense had happened in, like the past five minutes. They were just calmly talking. Right. And, and Picard's like, oh, I th- I think I might know what's happening here. And then he walks away, and it's like, <laughs> you have to do how many uh, act breaks per episode? They can't all be singers. I suppose so, but it's always it's always very obvious when when stuff like this happens. Um. 
I think that's the problem with New Trek, is that New Trek is made for streaming services, and there are no act breaks. That's that's actually, honestly, that actually could be true. Like, <laughs> that, that the lack of act breaks is detrimental. What I need is constant peaking and relief of tension. Yes. That is what makes a good show. Right. Not um, keeping it up to ten for the whole for the whole hour. Right. And uh, oh, every episode dropped at the same time, so I'm just gonna binge watch this, take a nap, pretend I watched it, and um, and all the girls have boys' names. Do they? Uh, I don't know about all of them, but does any of them do any of them? Yeah, there's there's like the like the main characters, the 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 black woman named Michael. Are you sure it's not like uh, Mikael? L? Nah, I'm pretty sure it's just Michael. Oh, goodness. That's almost my name. It is. It's, it's dangerously close. Yes. Um, well, New Trek, I, I'm going to say it with an N and a U and an umlaut. Mm-hmm. New Trek. New Trek. Which means I don't like it. Right. That is, yes. That's exactly what that means. Yes, yes, yes. So there's this ship, it comes and goes, like, uh, you said this a lot earlier, it's going to play out a bunch. They go to the uh, house, there's a ship, it chases them away, they go back to the house, there's the ship, (laughs) it chases them away, (laughs) go back to the house again, and every time Rashawn's like, no, don't, we're not going to leave, and then eventually Picard's like, well, what if you left? And Rashawn's like, well, I guess we could leave. (laughs) And... So through this entire episode, because much like other episodes, I'd, I'd pretty much forgotten how exactly things play out. Throughout this episode, I was like, okay, the issue is that if they leave, uh, Rashawn will cease to exist somehow. Right. That's that's kind no, of what's implied. No. no. Picard <laughs> just beams them right to the bridge, and they're there. She's there. She could easily just... And, and, and it's at that point where, why can't we just leave well enough alone? I don't, because I don't, Picard seems to have figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. And even then, I don't get really Kevin's motivation. Why does he need to stay there? Why yeah. Why? Why is he so reluctant to just take his fantasy along somewhere else? Yeah, sure. Um, sure. Yeah. And that's something they needed to have, was that there needs to be some kind of like attachment to the planet here. Because otherwise, what, what is this guy even fighting for? Rastron just dissipates. By yeah. Kevin's volition. Uh, right. Because Picard even addresses her in that moment. He's like, Rashawn, you're real. I can feel you, but you're not real. Well, he doesn't say I can feel you. That's kind of weird, but... Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I could kiss you. <laughs> you could feel me inside you. Perhaps give you a little finger play. <laughs> <laughs> But alas, you are not real. <laughs> but he does talk to her like that, which implies uh, he acknowledges her sentience. Yeah. And for him to want to extinguish that kind of goes against the Enterprise's approach to life forms mm-hmm. leading up to this point. But um, I guess part of that is given the rushed nature of the ending. Yeah. So initially, the first drafts of this ending, and we started shooting a little bit of this, was uh, were very different. We kind of skipped over this. Picard at one point 
uh, lets the house get blown up by the ship they're encountering in space under the yes yes uh, that's right under the pretense that it's not real it's just an illusion yes and the initial version of this script was that it was not an illusion that that ship just blew up the house and kevin and Rashawn both died and picard for the last third of the episode would just have to deal with that guilt of his presumption being wrong leading to the deaths yeah. of these innocent lives and uh, we, I think we changed it because of the scene where Worf walks in on Picard about to kill himself, and he has to talk him out of the noose. Mm. Something about that was just a little too dark, I a suppose. A little too much? Yeah. How is, how is Picard going to kill himself? Well, it was a noose. He was going to hang himself in oh, his... Oh, he literally talk him off the noose. Yeah, yes. Uh, what an old-fashioned way of, of, of suicide. Well, you know Picard, he's, an, he's, a, he's a nostalgic, yeah. romantic kind of guy. Right. Um... You know, it's it was either that or poisoning. You know, as in a lot of his Shakespeare plays that he enjoys. But mm-hmm. you know, the kinetic the dramatic effect would, would right. But the kinetic energy of Picard, um, his legs kind of kicking in the noose, or you know, him standing in front of it, looking through it as Worf comes in, and that was how the shot right. was going to be framed. Like you would see it from Picard's first person perspective, his hands around the noose, um, looking through the hole. And then the door opens on the opposite side of the room, and Worf comes. It was a very heady shot. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that sounds actually beautiful, but uh, what would have made it even better is if, if the shot was Picard looking through the, ner- uh, the, the, the noose, mm-hmm. and then on the other side was um, a hallucination of the girl from We'll Always Have Paris stretching her hand out. Oh, there you go. That's, right? yeah, that's perfect. Join me. <laughs> the girl who's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> there's something about her that i wanted to talk to you about hold on about that girl from that episode from months ago yeah okay just stay completely silent while i, while I would you like me to sing a song if you want i mean i don't want but if you're gonna harangue me for being silent i don't want <laughs> i need Oh, she she used to be. Hold on. She used to be married mm-hmm. to um, the guy who played. Who was the head of the village last episode? Goshevin. Oh, it's weird. She, she used to be married to him. I, I while to bring that up. While we were filming. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm they sure. maybe they met at one of the many TNG alumni parties. <laughs> yeah, that could be. What a sad party. <laughs> it was especially sad for for Goshevin because he shows up and everyone's like, "What? You sound like that?" <laughs> a little um he also he also did uh this film called Yellowbird with uh Will Wheaton's sister. Oh God, Leslie Crusher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wesley and Leslie. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he seems to be leeching off of lots of uh, TNG casts. Well, good for him. We leech off TNG in our own way. That's true. That's true. Game recognizes um, game. But yeah, so that's 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 all I, I had to say about that. But yeah, so that, now we get to the ending, really, right? Yeah, and which, uh, which happens? Kevin 
Kevin confesses everything. And none of it's really all that exciting. Um, but this has the I, most I, I, baffling I, moment of the show, the ending, um, where after Kevin leaves, Picard's talking to Riker, and he says, I don't know whether to praise him or condemn him. <laughs> <laughs> and under what world would you ever praise him? <laughs> Does Picard just really hate the Husnick? I mean, it sounds like the Husnick are in... Are in- the, the kind of people you'd want to hang out with. So maybe, maybe he's just got a little bit of bias. That's all. I don't know whether to praise uh, him or condemn Possibly him. just as baffling is that after, after all this, all, all this stuff has been confessed, Picard uh, looks at Kevin and says, you're free to return to the planet. Um, as if, as if he needed his permission to do so. Um, Bizarre. That he's a godlike entity. Right. He could easily just destroy the Enterprise. <laughs> and Picard says this. Um, somebody says he's dangerous, and Picard says if he wanted to kill us, he would have killed us. Because he's so much stronger than we are. Well, yeah, and, yeah, I mean, yeah. And then he still takes point and being like, okay, you can go. Yeah, you're allowed You're allowed to leave. And that, that is actually the number one question I get from fans when I see them out in the wild, is, is why, does, why does Kevin need um, Picard's permission? Hmm. Which I, I thought was fascinating. The, the, the second most asked question is, um, of course, why is the alien named Kevin? Both head scratchers. Really uh, strange stuff. Um, I think this episode was a, kind of a missed opportunity to, to bring the Borg back in. Oh? And have the Borg be responsible for what happened? Yeah, and, and, and maybe Kevin doesn't kill the entire species, he just kills that ship. Yeah, I I think, although I will say that having anybody kill Borg off-screen takes away from them as villains. Sure, but I think they're already being taken away from because this guy just genocided an entire race of very technologically advanced planet killers. He could kill the Borg if he wanted to. That's true. In um, Best of Both Worlds, why doesn't anybody say, let's go find Kevin? Right. (laughs) Right. We've already been introduced to so many races of gods who could have solved this problem. So and many, so many like, Rick Wakemans. Just refuse not to. Refuse to. They just refuse to. They, they, yeah, they, they refuse not to help. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will save. The, I will kill they the refuse, boy. They refuse not to not help. There we go. I want to see this guy and Q interact. Do you? Yeah. I I just like seeing Q. Oh, we love Q. Q who? Q U. Q U. Q two. Q U two. Oh goodness. Um, but yeah, I we kind of summed this up at the beginning. This is just a pretty middling, fine, watchable episode. Nothing great. Got some problems, but it's not nearly as egregious or bad as anything in the preceding seasons. Definitely not. Definitely not. Do you do you dislike it more after we talked about it? I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe I could watch it again though. Yeah, I, I I watched this last year, maybe. Well, I don't. I not maybe about three hundred and sixty-five days ago. Not three days ago, because I did watch this yeah. last year. <laughs> right. Right. As a matter of fact. <laughs> um. 
No, but it's like, okay, maybe I had it as a 6, and now it's like a 5.5 or whatever. It's mm. not a big drop, oh, but I, I do like the, a little less. The IGN ranking scale. I'm sorry, a 5.4. 5.4, yeah, it I'm was terrible. With well, I'm glad we have both such, um, I don't know, flaccid feelings on the situation. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's about it, isn't it? Yeah. Do you have any trivia for me? Yeah, so, um, there's a quote in this episode where, uh, Riker is looking at Rana 4, right? And, and he notices the, 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 the small patch of, of Kevin's land. And mm. he, refu- he refers to it as a few acres of trees and grass. Uh, what, is, what, is, what is weird about this? A few acres of trees and grass. Um, well, it's obviously not a few acres. That's, that's much, much larger than the plot of land that we see. Mm-hmm. Um... Is that is is that the answer before I keep no pontif- it's not okay the before I pontificate here? Um, it's a few acres of trees and grass. It said he doesn't mention the house. No, I'm probably not thinking about this in the right way. <laughs> is this obvious? Am I dumb? It's obvious. Yeah. All right. So give give me the question one more time. The setup. Okay. Riker is surveying Rana Four notices Kevin's patch of land and refers to it as a few acres of trees and grass. What is odd about this? Is it that um, he's seeing this from space? No. Okay. Is is the term acre loaded with some kind of definition that's caked on being on Earth? It's not loaded with the definition. But, but basically... Right, well, Basically, let me know. Uh, here's here's what here's what Memory Alpha has to say. Oh no, Riker says in learning of the only surviving area of the devastation on Rana Four, a few acres of trees and grass, indicating an, an anachronistic familiarity with the U.S. imperial system of measurement rather than the 24th <laughs> century standard metric system of these hectares. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> now I'm, I'm imagining the line "a few hectares of trees and grass," which is just really funny. Yeah, uh, this is this is under the continuity section for this episode. <laughs> well, you know, everybody loves their um, 20th century Earth, so. Yeah, yes, yeah, so that that is true of Star Trek: The Next Generation. A few hectares of trees and grass, Captain. Just, just a few hectares of trees and grass. I, I, I want to, in like a Blu-ray, Frakes dubs over that one line. Like, <laughs> Captain, it's a few hectares of trees and grass. <laughs> oh, yeah. Star Trek Special Edition. Fuck Star Trek. Yeah. Do you have any parting words before we go? Uh, no, I don't think so. Just um, Just our sponsors, right? Yeah, uh, as always, we want to thank our sponsors for getting us readier than ever. And this week, we want to send a special shout out to Count Chocula, um, Booberry, and also Denny's, home of the Grand Slam, um, and Moons Over Miami. So, 
be sure to check them out. Whenever you're, you go to Denny's, you can say Readier for a 5% discount. And if you bring one of our Readier coupons available on our Patreon to the grocery store when you buy Booberry or Count Chocula, um, then you will get another box free. It's BOGO. Buy one, get one. BOGO. Yep. Yep. That's right. Yep. And uh, tell them Mitch sent you. But that's going to be it for today, everybody. Join us next time on The Readier Room where we watch one of the top ten episodes of the series. And I yes. hope you're excited for that. Until then, everybody, please count your blessings. Happy New Year. And of course, stay ready. The troublesome little man child. I stand before you defrocked. Condemned to be a member of this lowest of species. Thank you, Ensign. Engage. inside the bottle bottle.